TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. Summer weekends are dwindling down. Pretty soon, it'll be basketball season. The Gophers men's basketball team just got back earlier this week from Italy. Every five years, college basketball programs can take a foreign trip, get some games in, some much-needed bonding time, some extra practices. So the Gophers took advantage of that. They went to Italy. Joining us now to recap the trip, talk all things Gophers men's basketball, it is head coach Richard Patino entering, what is this now, year seven? Yeah, I think it's year seven, right? Season seven, at least, because the years overlap when it comes to basketball seasons. This is Scoop Podcast episode 249, right here on Score North. Scorenorth.com, 1500 AM. Hopefully you have the Score North app. It's free. If you have it on your mobile device, you're eligible to win all sorts of prizes. So yes, I'm biased, but I highly recommend making sure you have the Score North app. All right, let's start with head coach of the Gophers, Richard Patino. Richard, appreciate your time. Presumably you're what? You're tan? You're rested? Are you all the way back though? Or does it take, you know, a good three, four, five, six days after traveling overseas just to get back mentally and physically in a good spot? Yeah, probably two days. You know, the the hard part is when you get back and it's like three in the afternoon and you're exhausted. You want to go to bed. Um, <laughs> you know, you got to fight through that and get to about nine thirty or so, and then um, you know, find a way to get back. So, got two good nights sleep, um, but had fun. I mean, it was it was a really really good trip, and uh, lucky to be a part of it. Is it possible to get a good night's sleep in your household with all those kids? Uh, pretty rare, pretty rare. You know, you gotta, you gotta go to bed early because they're waking you up. You know, they're going to get you up early. Um, we got Ava at eight. She'll, she'll sleep in, but Jack and Zoe are still getting you up pretty early, but it's fun. All right. Anything you learned about your team? I mean, all that bonding, all those days in Italy, anything you learned about your team? So many new guys. I mean, anything you learned about your team that maybe you didn't know before you guys left? Um, you know, I, we're, we're a really different team. Um, you know, offensively, I think any time, you know, Jordan Murphy was a very, very unique player, um, you know, to have a guy like him at the power forward spot who's not an outside threat, it's going to be different, um, you know, from an offensive standpoint of what you're going to run and what you're going to do um, because he was so productive um, in, a, in, a, in a unique way because he didn't shoot the three. Mm-hmm. Normally, your five man's not going to shoot the three. I mean, obviously, if you can get one that can, uh, that's a great thing from an offense standpoint of what you're going to run. You know, so I, I think we're we're going to be much more three point shooting oriented than we've been in the past, um, which is fun. You know, but what does that mean for your defense, your rebounding, things that I thought traditionally we were pretty good at over the last couple of years? Um, so it's it's it's. I feel like I feel like you. You know, we're, we've got a totally different team. We're, we're, we're looking at doing some different things, but it is a lot of fun to coach. What are some of those things you're looking at doing differently outside of taking more three-pointers? Well, again, it, it's when you have – and it's not a knock on Jordan or any of those guys. They were very productive, but in a different type of way. So you tried to put them in different type of spots. We ran a lot of high-low type stuff uh, with the four and the five. Um, you know, So now when you have a power forward like Ali Han, who's maybe more of a perimeter-oriented guy at the four. Uh, Michael Hurt is a perimeter, perimeter-oriented guy. Uh, Isaiah Eaney, guys like that. Um, you're going to do a little bit more four-out-one-in than what we were doing in the past. So, uh, you know, a little bit more of like it's a four-round-one, um, picking and popping a little bit more instead of kind of jamming in there. You know, a lot of our offense with, you know, the guys last year was – predicated on getting fouled, getting to the free throw line, where I'm not sure it'll be as much of that anymore. On Murph, you know what? Let me just let me ask you about that. How much work was there on developing his outside shot, giving him more of a green light the last few years to, to chuck threes, or did it just not make logical sense because he dominates so much in the low post? You know, I've always been one to give my guys freedom. Um, even if, you know, shoot one early just to get your confidence going, I'm fine with. But I think with Murph, it was one of those things that I want to say he hit one versus Louisville, maybe. I know he hit one in the um, towards the end of the year, mm-hmm. um, and maybe even two. But I think for Murph, it was like he kind of knew where his bread was buttered, you know, so it wasn't really anything that we had to 
dive too much into. But, I mean, he had the green light to do it. You know, we ran a lot of – anytime you run a ball and you pop a guy uh, and he catches the ball on the perimeter, they got to make a decision of what they're going to do. And Murph was really, really good at putting it on the bounce and getting to the rim from the top or from the elbow. Uh, so I think he was smart enough to know, like, let's not deviate too much from what's really working. I was with Murph for a pre-draft story, and off-camera, Richard, he was he was gushing to me about Peyton Willis. He's like, you need to learn about Peyton Willis. I mean, you know, I'd known a little bit just about him being at Vanderbilt, transferring, sitting out last year, but he's like, you need to know about Peyton Willis. And then I'm reading your blog at gophersports.com. He was your MVP over in Italy? Yeah, he's just really, really solid across the board. Um, you know, maybe a little bit like a Gabe Kalsher type where he's not um, – like necessarily flashy or flamboyant, um, but yet very, very productive and uh, doesn't really have a weakness. You know, he's kind of good at a little bit of everything. So um, I liked it. You know, I was trying to – one of the things about these trips is you tinker. You know, you put guys in different positions. um, You do different lineups, um, starting lineups, all those different things. And what I did like about it was he didn't flinch. You know, like I threw him to the one at one point. And he didn't flinch. He seemed very, very comfortable playing all three different perimeter spots. Um, Really, really works very, very hard, Uh, similar to Gabe Kalsher. They're almost two, you know, after every single practice, uh, maybe Michael Hurd as well, where they're going to stay after. They're not, you know, they're never just running to the locker room. Um, And he just keeps chipping away at it. He's a grinder. And, uh, And I think that's why, you know, everybody's, like he's in great shape right now where it may take some other guys a little bit more. And I think just because that commitment level every single second of the day, uh, I think Peyton will be able to help us right away. Wait, so he doesn't, you said he doesn't have a weakness. Like he defends really well too. I mean, they all, everybody's got weaknesses, but I think that he's just, like I said, I mean, I think he's solid across the board. Um, you know, I just think that he's, he can do a little bit of everything. He's got a nice mid range game. Uh, he can shoot the three. He can go off the bounce. You know, he's a, he's a solid defender as well. I mean, he, he's a smart player. He knows how to play the game. All right, so you said you experimented a little bit with him at the one. I mean, outside of a Turu at the five, like when you have the other four guys out there at different points during the season, I mean, are we almost getting away from, from marrying guys to positions? Like this guy is the one, this guy is the two, where you have guys where it really doesn't matter if they're the one, two, three, or four. Pretty much. I mean, it, it comes down to a size thing. Um, where, like, you know, probably B.J. Greenlee is probably locked in at the point guard spot just from a size standpoint. And, you know, Daniel, I think he could play a little bit of the four, but, you know, I think he's pretty comfortable at the five. Um, but we, we, we would ideally like to have guys who can play at least three different positions. Uh, like Marcus Carr. I mean, I wanted to give him a look at the two, and he was really, really comfortable at it. I mean, he, he, you know, he, he liked it, you know, so we need guys like that, uh, who don't necessarily care about what position they're at. I want to be able to have four guys on the court that can shoot the ball at all times, um, be able to spread you out because if you can spread out the defense. You can run a lot of really good stuff. What sort of developments has, has Oturu made this summer? And how nice is it just to have him healthy? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but about this time last year, he was, he was still rehabbing. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's the key. Like, I mean, like Brock Stahl, fifth year senior from, from last year, like it was so hard for him to get in the mix right away just because he, he didn't get here until late. And, and you get guys like Ali Han, you get him here, you prepare for Italy, uh, even Isaiah, just to get him in a little bit early mm-hmm. um, so that they understand everything. Uh, it's huge. And with Daniel, he didn't really have an off season. So it's very, very important for him to take the next step as, you know, for us. Um, because he's got the talent. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he is extremely talented, as talented as any big guy uh, in the country, you know, or in our conference, I should say. So we need him to be, you know, put on state. We need him to, um, you know, continue to develop his low post skills as well as he can step out and he can knock down a three. But I think what he's really good at is if guys close out on him, he's a really good kind of drive it by you guy. He can really get to the rim as well. Is that Bernie? Barking in the background. That's Bernie. Bernie's nice. being very annoying, but you know the problem is when, when you got to do a podcast. There's only so many places you can go because <laughs> your kids are going to follow you around in the house. Yes. So then you go outside with the dog, and then cars drive by. So these, these are the tough decisions I had to make. 
but I had to do it for you, Doogie, because I couldn't miss being on the podcast. I appreciate that, Richard. How old is Bernie now? Bernie's getting old. He's um, Bernie's about nine years old. We got him in Florida uh, when uh, I worked at the University of Florida, and uh, he's slowing down a little bit, but uh, he's doing well. You don't know this. We actually shared the same vet, so it was, I don't know, a handful of months ago. I'm in there. We rescued a dog, so... You know, there's some challenges there. Like, this was his first time at the vet that we share. And your wife was there, actually, with Bernie. But I just didn't I didn't have a time to talk to Jill because our dog was, he was out of control. He was peeing inside there. He was marking his territory. But we actually share a vet, if you would believe that. I didn't I didn't know that. Nor do I know where the vet is because I'm not real involved with taking Bernie to the vet. So, <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you learn something new every day. Well, there you go. All right, on Isaiah, I don't even know how to say his last name. A mutual friend of ours, Damian Johnson, former gopher, head coach at, at North St. Paul High School. He was on social media a few weeks ago making the Kevin Durant comparison. And I'm like, Damian, let's just slow down a little bit. I see the potential. I think he has a chance from everything I can gather, but... He needs some time, right? I mean, he's still swimming a ton right now, Isaiah? Yeah, you know, he reminds me of um, Daniel a little bit. Uh, not, you know, not the position, but he does things that you're like, wow, um, this guy's going to be a really, really good player. Uh, but it's still going to take him some time. I mean, the Kevin Durant thing is natural because he's tall, he's long, and he's thin, and he can shoot the three. Um He's obviously not Kevin Durant. I mean, obviously that's a that's a good guy for him to look up to. I mean, I, I told him, you know, that that needs to be the guy that you watch and try to model your game after. Uh, but he's he's what's interesting for him is you know he's he's thin, so he needs to put on some weight. But he's probably our fastest guy uh, on the team. Mm. He's a quick learner, a uh, really really good learner. I mean, you know, because he he only practiced for Italy, I think. Three times, maybe two or three times. Yeah, sounds right. And yeah. and I started him in one of the games. I mean, I switched up the starting lineup every single time, and um, he was good. You know, I mean, now we don't have a lot of offensive sets in. We probably have three or four in, but he was able to pick up on him in no time. So he's a very intelligent kid. Um, there, the potential for him to make money playing basketball is certainly there, mm-hmm. uh, but it's going to take some time, like anything else. Who's the second fastest guy in your team? Um, probably BJ Greenlee's pretty fast. Um, I would have guessed you know, Gabe. Isaiah, Not Gabe. Gabe's Gabe's fast. You know, it it it's it just we did it. We did like sprints one practice, and and I was blown away by Isaiah. Just you know, he flew up the court. So I mean, we've got pretty good speed. Uh, you know, I think all of them. I mean, Gabe obviously has gotten himself in great shape. You know, Gabe was a guy when we signed him. I thought, okay, really good shooter. Um, you know, how will the speed of the game be for him? And to Gabe's credit, he ran track, um, you know, the spring of his senior year, got himself in unbelievable shape. The body fat went down. Um, and he, he's been great ever since. So, I mean, it's uh, we got a good laterally pretty quick team, and that's important from a defensive standpoint for sure. Richard, how much can you reflect on on the accomplishments of last year? I mean, heck, you do something that, that hasn't been done around here very often. I mean, you win an NCAA tournament game. That is rare in these parts, but you've said it. I mean, it's a completely new team, so can you even use last year as as any sort of motivation, or, or can you bring up last year outside of Gabe and really Daniel and, I guess, Michael to some extent, but, I mean, can you bring up the success of last year? How do you, how do you handle, I guess, the success you had last year building on that heading into this year? Well, you know, I, I think the biggest thing that we all want as coaches is we want sustained success, and I look at the last three years, uh, I, I still think that the team where, you know, Amir had surgery, Reggie Lynch's situation, Eric Curry getting hurt, um, Nate was hurt to free, you know, all those injuries. I think if that team, you know, didn't kind of get messed up there, I think it was probably one of our best teams, probably our most talented team. But you look at over the last two or three years, been the NCAA tournament. But we, you know, we got to keep pushing forward and moving forward. And the way that you do that is consistency. Um, that's how you're talked about with the Michigan States, the Michigans, the Purdue's, the Wisconsin's. Though that sustained success uh, is what we're trying to get. But anytime you have, I think it's five guys: and Mike, Eric, um, Daniel, Gabe, Jarvis, and Brady. Six guys who have been a part of an NCAA tournament team. It's extremely important for those guys to kind of set the standard in the locker room. Um, you know, because we want to be there every year. 
I mean, you know, only 19% of teams go to the NCAA tournament. We haven't been traditionally a lot in school history, uh, even, you know, unofficially. Uh, I, I want to say it's about 14, 15 times. So it's not a lot. Uh, but we're trying to build this thing. And, you know, I mean, since I've been here over six years, the job has substantially improved. Anytime you have Athletes Village, you know, $160 million uh, deal that's really changed all the student athletes' lives, um, just from a functionality standpoint, um, we should be able to compete, you know. And, and obviously, when you have seven new players, probably going to take a little bit of time, but we want the goal to be getting back in the NCAA tournament and, you know, experiencing what we experienced in Des Moines last year was so much fun. Like, we, we want to be back there. I mean, you know, to be able to play in that environment, you know, play Louisville in front of, you know, 95% Minnesota fans, I mean, that, that's what college basketball is all about, you know. So we want to get back there. We, we don't want to start over. I know it feels like we're starting over a little bit with all these new players, um, you know, but that's where we want to be. So, you know, we, we, we know what it takes to get there. We just got to make sure that those guys that have been there before are very, very vocal about what it takes to get there when the coaches are not around. I was remiss in, in excluding Eric Curry. I mean, I guess – my bad, but he's rehabbing yet again. I mean, is there a thought that Eric will be good to go come come October? Yeah, he'll, he'll be good to go once, you know, school starts back up. Um, you know, he was even doing a little bit of non-contact stuff um, when we were preparing for Italy. You know, so it's a matter of, obviously, the physical is very important, but the mental is huge, too, you know. I mean, just getting comfortable with everything. Um, you know, I, he's had a lot of time off on that knee, which, you know, Maybe it's a good thing. I don't know. Um, you know, but it, it's just getting him healthy. I mean, he's we, – we're a much better team when he's healthy. I mean, he, he just – he knows how to play. He's kind of that what you want in a big guy because he can dribble pass, he can shoot the ball, uh, he can switch ball screens. Uh, so he's obviously – whenever you get a guy back like him, um, you know, he can impact your team. So, yeah, we, we anticipate um, him being ready to go. You know, not full go right when he comes back, but bring him along slowly. Do you anticipate the schedule being released pretty soon? You have another Power 6 opponent and an unnamed or an unsourced out what Power 6 opponent coming to coming to Williams Arena? We do, yeah. We're, we're, uh, the biggest thing we're trying to do right now is get all the contracts signed. I think we got one more um, that we're just trying to fill out the paperwork on and uh, you know get the contract back, and then uh, we'll release it. So, you know, from what I can talk about, I mean, obviously Oklahoma and Sioux Falls is a great opponent. Uh, Oklahoma State, I think a lot of people are talking positively about them, uh, playing them in Tulsa, going at Utah, which is always a tough place to play, uh, Clemson at home and at Butler, and then to add one more. I mean, I, I think that, you know, the schedule, like anything else, the schedule grows as your program grows, and I, and I think that over the last couple of years we've shown that um, we will play tough opponents. We will try to get really good games in Williams Arena because, I'm just like the fans. I, I want packed houses and I want really cool opponents and, um, you know, in the non conference. And, and I want our fans to be engaged right away. Uh, you know, so uh, we do our very, very best to be able to accommodate all those things as well as put ourselves in a position to hopefully make the NCAA tournament. Let's go after this. Are you just. Are you just counting down the days until we bond at the State Fair? I think you're out there on, what, like Monday the 26th? I mean, you just kick back, relax for the next handful of days, I mean, enjoy some vacation, and then get it back going right when school starts? You know, it's crazy to think that I'm going on my seventh year here and my eighth year as a head coach, so experience helps you kind of mentally with what you need to do because once State Fair hits, I mean, there's kind of no turning back because (laughs) – Every weekend is recruiting visits, um, and then during the week you've got your players. You're then come September 9th, you're flying all over the country meeting with kids. Um, so September is a tough month. It's really really busy. So what I do this time of year is I go in the office, uh, I close my door, and I watch a lot of film, and I put together kind of the playbook. Uh, you know, I watch a lot of other things. I watch Euro League teams. I watch uh, other colleges that I like the way that they play and think that maybe. We're similar to, uh, and I just kind of put the plan together. I'll, I'll read some things from a motivational standpoint about where we can get better at, um, because I know once school starts, you're getting pulled in a lot of different directions, which is fun. I mean, it, it's, you know, you want people to want you to come speak to them or go to the state fair or, you know, speak to a rotary club, because I'll tell you what, when they don't ask you, that means you're not doing real well. So um, for me, it's a, it's a fun part of the year, but I just try to get my mind right 
rest up a little bit uh, because I know once it starts up, there's no turning back until hopefully after March. Who are some of those college programs you watch? Um, I was watching Presbyterian the other day. I was watching uh, Davidson. I was watching, uh, you know, Gonzaga. I liked a lot of what they run. I mean, we ran a lot of similar stuff. I'll go back and um, I'll watch, like, some old Florida stuff that we ran, some old Louisville stuff, even my FIU stuff. Um, I'm really into right now, just from when my dad coached, um, you know, Panathinaikos there, I – they, they run really good offense. And you know, the NBA is hard because I, I like watching the NBA, but it's just not the same game <laughs> no. as college. And, you know, you may be able to get some side outs and underneath that a bounce plays that are good, uh, but, but the game really does not translate the way that people may think it does. Um, so I've been, I've been kind of locked in on Fenerbahce, which is a, a EuroLeague team that, that's been traditionally really, really good mm-hmm. um, over the last couple of years. And, and those guys out there, they're so skilled. You know, they can't do what the NBA guys do because really nobody can from an athletic standpoint. So they've got to use shot fakes. They've got to use back cuts and screening and all those things. Uh, so it's really been fun to just study it all. All right, get back to Bernie. I appreciate the time. Happy to help. You got it. Always a fun conversation. He's very candid. I highly recommend his blog, which he updates pretty regularly at gophersports.com. Entering year seven, he is the Gophers men's basketball head coach. It is Richard Patino. Always appreciate when he has time for the Scoop podcast. Special thanks to Hope Fieldhouse for keeping the podcast on the air. Hope fieldhouse.org. It's a cause that is special to me. Maybe you've heard the spots. You've heard me talk about Hope Fieldhouse. Bottom line, it's all about helping athletes with disabilities. If you want to give athletes a home, a permanent home, like the Dakota Hawks don't have a permanent home. They win adapted hockey state title after state title, yet they don't have a permanent home, a place they can call home. They can now. They can have Hope Fieldhouse, but Hope Fieldhouse needs a little bit more money to push across the finish line. If you can donate $1, $5, $10, whatever it is tax deductible go to hopefieldhouse.org please help out a very worthy cause coming up an update on the wilds gm search and we'll hear from laquan treadwell of the vikings on the trade rumors swirling around stay with us it is the scoop podcast Away we go. It is segment number two here of the Scoop Podcast right here on Score North on this Friday night. Let me empty out my figurative notebook. Let me start with the Wilds GM search. Had some hockey people reach out to me yesterday to say, hey, keep an eye on Billy Guerin. Bill Guerin, the Penguins assistant GM that I had a couple people tell me, make him your betting favorite. If you are setting lines on who the next Wild GM will be, I had a couple people tell me you should put your money on Bill Guerin. The Wolves did not show any interest in retaining Jared Bayless, who, you know what, when he was healthy last year after the trade, he played okay. He is off to a team in China for decent money. So yeah, Jared Bayless not coming back to the Wolves. Had a pretty good NBA source, though, tell me that the Wolves have at least inquired on some available point guards. I mean, guys like Jeremy Lin, Sean Livingston, there's some other guys out there. Here's the weird thing, though. I actually even had somebody say, hey, there's some Ty Lawson fans over at Mayo Clinic Square. Now, I would be surprised if they make a move on Ty Lawson. I'd be surprised if they made any move just from the standpoint of, now, they're always talking trade. The roster is always fluid, but right now the Wolves are at the max 15 contracts, plus they have two guys on two-way contracts. So really, I mean, they'll sign some guys to Exhibit 10 deals, like Jordan Murphy, the former Gopher. I'm pretty sure he's a safe bet to end up with an Exhibit 10 with the Wolves, end up with the Iowa Wolves, their G League affiliate. But I would be surprised if they added another contract because Tyrone Wallace, the former LA Clipper, is not even among the 15. So Jalen Noel, when he signed, when was that last week? He was number 15. The big man from LSU, Reed, got a standard NBA contract. They are at 15. That is the max. Now you can carry 20 contracts right now. You don't need to get to 15 until the start of the season, but what's the point? So I guess I would be mildly surprised, but hey, Gerson Rosas is always thinking about tinkering the roster. He is always on the phone. Trust me, he is aggressive in that regard. So we'll keep an eye on that. The Twins had interest in a minor league deal with former Diamondbacks reliever Greg Holland, but as somebody in the know told me, the wheels were in motion right after Arizona cut the cord on Holland that he would sign with the Washington Nationals, and indeed, a couple days ago, Greg Holland signed a minor league deal with the Washington Nationals. So he is not coming to the Twins, but the Twins are still on the lookout for help. Shameless plug for my Twitter feed, at 
D. Wolfs on KSTP had the scoop earlier this week that the Twins brought back Ryan O'Rourke. He is now a AAA at Rochester, made it to the majors a couple years ago with the Twins. He's a lefty, so hey, they are willing to roll the dice on some guys on minor league deals. There's been a lot of relievers cut loose the last handful of days. Guys like Tony Sip are still out there, so the Twins are constantly on the lookout. They are on the lookout for pitching help as we get closer to September. I was out and about a bunch this week for the TV job for my Channel 5 job among my stops. It was on Monday. I was over at SMB's football practice. That's the co-op. St. Paul Academy, Blake, and Minnehaha Academy. They have a bunch of high-level Division One players, including Jalen Suggs, including Caden Johnson, and including Terry Lockett. They don't have Craig McDonald, who's off to Iowa State. That's a whole nother story. But Craig, it sounds like, is not going to a prep school, that he's going to finish his senior year, at least graduate early, then head down to Ames, Iowa in January to join the Cyclones for winter workouts. But they should have four Division One players. Right now, they have three with an offensive lineman that's young that looks like in a couple years he'll be a Division One recruit. So they are loaded. Caden Johnson is the state's number one football recruit in the class of 2020. Here is a recruiting update from Caden. I've been to Wisconsin. That was my first official visit. Um, I went to Iowa State and Minnesota. I didn't go anywhere else other than those three places. But, you know, those visits were really fun. You know, had the family there with me. You know, it was all a great time. All right, so a little bit more on the official visit to Madison. I mean, what what stood out? What what do you think about when I say, hey, you took an official visit to the University of Wisconsin? You know, what stood out to me when I went out there was, you know, how crazy, you know, like the fans are. You know, they tell me a lot about that and, you know, how I can fit into their scheme, you know, that 3-4 stand-up position. Um, and you know how Coach Chris is always in contact with me and my family, you know, showing us that this is a place I could, you know, dominate at, at this position that I'm playing. And, um, you know, Madison is a, is a great place. You know, my family loves it we love it you know it's gonna be they're gonna be real good this season is it a tough balance knowing everybody's in years saying oh you got to stay home right you got to play for minnesota and then you think about the gophers number one rival Mm -hmm. is wisconsin right the saying better dead than red and all that i mean is that an interesting balance of you love wisconsin but you've got all these people saying minnesota 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 yeah you know there's there's always going to be those people that are saying you know stay home you know do this and that but you know it's just going to come down to me you know what you know what's best for me because at the end of the day they're not going to be playing the I am so you know no there's no down down on the Gophers because you know they're still in one of my top schools because you know this is home this is where I've been raised um but you know that rivalry it doesn't you know affect me at all I'm just making sure I keep my eyes open to all my options and um, making sure I'm making the right decision do you have any sort of timeline like you know, when the season ends, like, you know, hopefully it's prep all late November and then maybe it's early December that you commit. Might you commit even before the first game, August 31st? Do you have a timeline? Uh, No, the timeline is kind of off a little bit. I'm not sure when. You know, I've been talking to my parents about it maybe before or after the season. But, um, you know, I still got to, you know, sit down, wait on my options because there's a lot of schools that have been in contact with me, you know, that are potentially going to offer me during my senior year. Hopefully, um you know, that comes in. But, um, you know, if something just feels right, you know, I'm ready to make that decision, you know, it will happen. DJ Fleck of the Gophers recruits his you-know-what off. I mean, his class of 2020 is going to be phenomenal, but I'm not quite sure if I'd bet right now that that class will include the state's top player, Caden Johnson, outside linebacker Caden Johnson of SMB. Terry Lockett is one of Johnson's teammates. He is back after spending last year at a prep school at an academy near Cleveland. He is back, so he played a sophomore year at SMB, Minnehaha Academy. Junior year at this academy near Cleveland. He is now back for a senior year. He's a Division One recruit as a wide receiver. Here's a recruiting update from Terry Lockett. Where are things at on the on the recruiting front? Uh, yeah, we're getting close to the season. You know, I know some of the colleges that recruit me uh, starting against their their fall camps and games are coming up. So definitely want to get uh, my, my official visit coming up. And uh, yeah. where will you officially visit? Uh, probably my first one. Probably Michigan State. Uh, probably go to their their first game, opening game. That'd be that'd be good. And then who else is who else is in your mix? So Michigan State, and you're going to visit Michigan State. But who else is after you, Big Ten? Uh, definitely Minnesota, uh, Nebraska. They've been hitting me a, a, a lot. Wisconsin, uh, and, and Purdue. That's probably that's probably my top right now, as far as right now. Will you get over to a Gophers practice, or have you been over to a Gophers practice the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I, I've definitely been to, to them uh, around campus the most. Yeah, you know, it's hometown, so I'm always over there. Um, well, I might hit up a, a, a game this year for them, too. So, I mean, what's that bond like? I mean, I know how relentless P.J. Fleck is on the recruiting front. I mean, what's your relationship like with P.J.? Uh, I mean, we're pretty tight. Uh, he takes me on a daily. Uh, so it's um, same with Coach Simon, the uh, receiver coach. So 
they definitely they definitely uh, know how to keep in touch with me. Uh, yeah. We wrap up this segment of the Scoop Podcast with a conversation I had yesterday with Laquan Treadwell of the Vikings. In this conversation, among topics he addresses are the trade rumors swirling around. Now, I'm not quite sure Albert Breer of SI is passing along earth-shattering information. Of course, if the Vikings get any sort of conditional draft pick offered for Laquan Treadwell, they are going to listen. Chad Beebe is the clear-cut number three receiver, so where does Laquan fit in? But I'm not quite sure anything is like on the cusp of happening. But anyway, Laquan does address the trade talk. It's kind of the dog days of camp, if not beyond the dog days. But like when your wife's here and you can bond with her after practice, just how much of a smile does that put on your face? Uh, every day. Every day is good seeing my wife, you know. Um, I mean, she's here every day, so it's it's part of our life, you know. So we embrace it. We, we love it. We enjoy it. How much does she keep you even keeled where you're not getting too high but not getting too low? Yeah, that's part of being married. It's a balance. You know, it's a balance with career and uh, out the field life. So, um, you know, just recently married. So it's just, it's, it's fun times right now. Everything is good. Everything is good at home. You know, everything's good on the field. And, uh, you know, it brings peace. When you come out and you, you know, everything is good and you're working your, sorry, <laughs> excuse me, you're working your tail off and, uh, you know, putting your best effort on the field. When you say recently married, like this March calendar 3rd. year? March 3rd. Okay, so the off season right before OTAs began and everything. Things ramped up, yeah. It was really fun though. Um, we did it and um, here at the church, and then uh, I proposed that back at my university where I first met her. So it was really, it was a really nice, you know, coming uh, full circle. What about the honeymoon? Did you guys go like back to Oxford? Nah, we didn't. We just kind of chill, chill, yeah. But maybe at some point here, you can maybe after the season go somewhere exotic. Absolutely. Well, probably not exotic. But um, definitely we'll go somewhere and, you know, enjoy, you know, the first year of being married and, you know, talk about our experience and what we loved and what we learned and what we grew from and, you know, just continue to build on our marriage. One preseason game in, a lot of practices in. How do you, how do you evaluate things? Uh, practice has been really good. You know, um, uh, preseason I probably could have made a better decision on the block. But other than that, you know, I did pretty good in the, in the game, you know, alignment, assignment, doing everything good, playing good. Um, you know, first game is always kind of, you know, uh, for figuring itself out, I would say. And um, it was fun. It was fun. It was fun to be back out there. Um, New Orleans, they had a, a great stadium. You know, everything was kind of ramped up. They had the smoke and, uh, you know, it was it was just good to be back in the stadium and getting in that mindset again. And do things ramp up even like another tick come Sunday night yeah. with game two? Yeah, I think guys are starting to get more feel of the game, you know, get their game win. You know, it's, it's, it's easy to come out here and practice and, you know, continue to do the same thing. But in the game, you try to find, you know, new levels and, and try to, you know, execute at a high level, you know, games on the line, you know, those type of situations you don't really get in practice where you can, you know, come out of practice, come out the game and, you know, you talk about situations and practice. You know, you just work, 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 and then you go watch film on it. But in the game, it's kind of putting it all together in, in one piece and one and, and one puzzle. So um, that's probably the biggest difference. So it's just, you know, taking the coaching, taking the coaching from the first game to the second game and, you know, adding on to it every game. And then, you know, coming out playing your best week one and adding on that. Have you heard, like, through your agent or anybody that SI.com, Albert Breer, has a report that, that you're on the trading block? If you're not aware of that, like, when, when I say that, what – What's your reaction? Uh, I don't really have a reaction because I, I mean that's that's not that's not something I want to focus on. You know, um, if it happens, you know it happens. But um, you know, I just I embrace every day. You know, I, I I get away from the media now, and that's helped me grow a lot as a person, as you know, as a person around the building and being more in my present moment. And um, you know, just working. You know, just that's all I focus on: coming out and working, and and you know, kind of gravitating to a better thoughts and, and you know if I'm always in the media you know it's never going to feed me anything positive and it hasn't done that to this point so uh, I just you know I just focus on what's in the building you know my teammates uh, you know coming out to practice working hard because if I allow that that media to get in my head you know I'll you know bring a different type of emotion and energy and something from the outside into the building and you know may cause something that I don't want so um, I just focus on the positive things and, you know, work every day and come out and do my best for my teammates. That was Vikings wide receiver Laquan Treadwell. When we come back, a cause that is near and dear to my heart. Cornorth.com. It's 
Final segment time on this Friday night here on Score North and scorenorth.com. That's score with a K, S-K-O-R. If you missed either of the first two segments, in particular, Richard Patino of the Gophers recapping his team's trip to Italy, his trip to Italy, be sure to check out scorenorth.com. Right after 7 o'clock, the entire podcast will be posted. For this segment, we'll do things a little bit differently. I do want to focus on a cause near and dear to my heart. If you've been listening the last couple weeks, maybe you've heard me talk about Hope Fieldhouse. Hope Fieldhouse benefits athletes with disabilities. I've been very open about my family situation with my older son, Drew, who is battling Lyme disease, who is on right now, he's on eight different medications, a probiotic and antibiotic CBD oil. He's on ibuprofen. He's on a lengthy list of things just to keep him in a good spot. Now, he has been able to play baseball. Heck, last week, he had a double. He split the gap, right field and center field. Big Willow does a great job. The Minnetonka Little League of having a second season for eight-year-olds. So he just got done with his second season on Monday night, but on Saturday, the double, he pitched two scoreless innings. Actually, on Monday, we ended up playing Kevin Seifert's son's team, so it's a great league, and he's in a good spot, but he's on all this medication, and who knows what the future holds. I mean, my hope is that he can do whatever he wants to do when it comes to athletics, as long as he's in a good spot with his health, but we don't know. We just, we don't know what the future holds. I do know, though, with two sons that play numerous sports, the benefits of athletics, learning about teamwork, learning about competition, learning about how to treat others. There are so many life lessons associated with sports, and Dan Corley is going to join us. Dan Corley spearheaded this mission many, many months ago called Hope Fieldhouse, and Hope Fieldhouse's mission is to provide a central location for athletes with disabilities. And while Drew, affectionately known as Droogy, is in a good spot right now, I didn't know what spot he would be in going back to late April into May if he could play with all his friends. But I do know that regardless, he always wanted to play. I didn't know if he could play conventional Little League. I do know this much, though. His passion for sports is through the roof. It is unbelievable. So I want to do all I can for any athlete of any age, in particular kids, younger kids even more so, that when they want to play sports, they have a home, they have an open gym, they have a field. There's never a competition for space, right? I mean, there are some teams that are practicing really early in the morning on a Saturday or really late at night on a school night. Dan Corley, once he gets Hope Fieldhouse up and running, is going to ensure that athletes with disabilities have a place they can call home. That court time is not an issue. And I'm telling you, my passion for youth athletics is as strong as it's ever been, especially after the summer that my wife and I have had to deal with, with our older son, just making sure he is in a good spot to be able to do what he is really passionate about. So I am super passionate about this cause hopefieldhouse.org for more information. But let me bring Dan Corley into the conversation. He can describe his mission way better than I can. My hope is, even if it's a dollar, two dollars, five dollars, that you can help out. Dan, I appreciate your time on this Friday night. In the intro to this segment, I laid out what Hope Fieldhouse is hoping to accomplish. But hey, I could do that a million times. I can't do it as well as you can do it because this is your brainchild and you've done so much work to get everything off the ground. I mean, it's one thing, Dan, to have this idea, right? But then to actually put it into motion, right? It's one thing to talk something out, but it's another thing to actually have action. You're almost across the finish line. Just describe to me, to the audience, what your background is and why Hope Fieldhouse means so much to you. Well, first of all, Doogie, thanks so much for having me on the program. A uh, long time listener and uh, just love what you do. I appreciate that. You're the one. Your check is in the mail. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so my background is uh, college athlete. Played played uh, college basketball down at Mankato State. Um, started coaching youth athletics um, when uh, my kids were little. Uh, got involved in high school coaching. Uh, recently coaching at Christian Life Academy down in Farmington. Uh, the girls basketball program. And just a big advocate for youth sports in general. And, okay, so, I mean, it's one thing to have that passion, Dan, and have your athletics background, but in particular to help athletes with disabilities. Where did that passion come from? So I'm, I'm the kind of guy that always wants to be involved. So before my kids were even at the age where they could be involved in traveling sports or even in-house for that sake, um, I started, I joined the local youth 
you know, athletic association, hmm. you know, the board that meets once a month and discusses, you know, all the ups and downs and logistics of, of youth athletics. And it just seemed every year um, the biggest topic we had was lack of gym space. And decisions were being made for because of lack of gym space based on or for team sizes, practice times, how late teams were practicing. And it eventually gets to the point where you start trying to squeeze in as many kids as you can to the program, which means you're practicing, you know, 8.30 at night. Uh, during the weeknights, you're practicing Wednesday nights, Friday nights. You know, Wednesday nights always become a challenge because then you're asking parents or kids to choose between maybe a, a religion class that they have or, or sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just seemed that was a problem over and over again. So I just decided to look into, you know, how could we solve the gym problem? Okay, so, I mean, it's one thing to look into, but how do you get to the point of, I mean, you are spearheading, what, a $2 million mission. Right, I mean, how do you how do you get everything off the ground? How do you just get the ball rolling on this? So it's actually so the project itself is a six million dollar project. Six million, um, okay, and, yeah. Yep, and, and we're looking to raise two million to kind of qualify for the uh, for the bank financing and everything else. Um, you know what we did, Doogie, is is a group of us uh, started out by hiring an architect, and we basically toured thirty facilities within the Midwest. And the purpose of doing that was we wanted to know how these things work. You know, what, is, what does it look like to have a space that just has courts or uh, courts that are part of something? Um, you know, you, you learn more from the ones that failed than the ones that succeeded, but we kind of wanted to hear from everybody about, you know, is it a profit, for-profit, is it a non-profit? You know, how, what are the legal structures? How do they raise the money if it's a non-profit? Um, just all that due diligence. Uh, which frankly took about a year for us to get through. And I mean, this is nonprofit, right? I mean, let's lay that on the table. You are not looking to make money off this. Correct. We are a five one c three nonprofit. Um, our mission is, our mission is to have a place where everybody can play and get kids in the gym. And I mean, it's kids specifically, Dan, with with disabilities, right? I mean, it's one thing for for just regular kids, but it's it's kids that maybe have some challenges in their in their lives, ensuring that they have the necessary court space that if they want to play athletics, you know, whether it's practice time, whether it's gym space, whatever it might be, that those challenges are not a factor whatsoever. But Doogie, I have eight children. Uh, One of my sons, Austin, uh, is autistic. And when we started this journey, we're looking overall at youth athletics. And I thought I was a little bit isolated by not being able to find the proper venues, the proper sports, the proper activities uh, for my son. Um, and frankly, we had so much going on with the other kids with their sports that my son always kind of got pushed to the side. Mm-hmm. So as we toured all these facilities and we started having focus groups with parents and coaches and everything else, uh, my eyes were really open. And, and here's the problem that's happening in, in our market right now. Um, you have all these club sports. You have these AAU clubs, Junior Olympic. You have these year-round basketball, volleyball, you know, name your indoor sport academies. And what they're doing is they're consuming up a lot of the gym space. And so you have groups like the Dakota Hawks, which is our, our local uh, adaptive athletic high school team in the Dakota County area, um, really struggling to find places to play. And, you know, this is, a, this is an organization, the Dakota Hawks, that uh, has won state championships mm-hmm. yet doesn't have an actual gym to play their games in. They, they go from oh, high on. school to high school, community center to community center. Yeah, I mean, that's ridiculous, um, Dan. I mean, that's just, um, that's, give I, me a I break. Agree. I, I agree, and my, my eyes were just open to it. And and I realized that that besides just the youth portion of it, you know, getting kids off the iPad and getting them in the gym and all the benefits that that has on it, that where we're really going to stick out and where we can really change lives is by by having a heart and passion for kids with special needs and making sure that they have a place to play and and not just any old place but a place that um you know has uh, sound absorption that has sense uh, light sensitivity you know being able to dim lights and do that type of th- stuff and then have staff that's trained and able to handle um different situations all right so where are things at dan just you know lay out to the audience you know where Hope Fieldhouse will be constructed where you you know are at in terms of you know just construction is the shovel in the ground I mean how far along are you with this process how far from now will will Hope Fieldhouse open so we um, like I said it's a six million dollar project and we need to raise just north of two million dollars and we started this project we started actually the fundraising part of this project 18 months ago uh, so far we've raised about 1.9 million dollars and that's come from 
one dollar at a time at our local, you know, leprechaun days to fifty thousand dollar donation from Kirk Cousins, uh, seventy five thousand dollar donation from Tom Compton, um, Paul's Pals was a great partner of ours. Everyone has been donating. Everyone, sorry, do you guys struggle with that one? Mark that one down. Um, we've been reaching out to both individuals and corporations about these donations and which has been amazing since we, we only have one full-time employee. Everything else is just done on a volunteer basis. I mean, and even to have one full-time employee takes a lot. I mean, I just I hope that people that are listening to this realize the time, the effort, the energy. I mean, heck, you said it, Dan. You are the father of eight children. You are so incredibly busy, yet you have this passion for making sure athletes with, with disabilities have a place that they can call home. I just, I would hope that people listening, I mean, you said, it, I mean, the Dakota Hawks, everybody has heard about the Dakota Hawks, right? If you have any interest in prep athletics whatsoever, you've heard about the Dakota Hawks, all their success. You said it, winning multiple state championships, the adaptive floor hockey team, and they literally, Dan, don't have a home gym. Like, it's a legit struggle just to find space for them to practice on a weekly basis correct and, and and even worse than that is is parents have to haul equipment down from location to location and these parents have enough to deal with i mean i know m- my son is a high functioning autistic child um and i know the struggles that we have with him and and to hear about these parents stories about hauling equipment and having to you know drive to this place and drive to that place and the consistency of practices and games and and all that stuff um, that's why we're, we're proud to say that the Hawks are going to be um, based out of Hope Fieldhouse. They'll do all their practicing. We've incorporated storage within the facility for them uh, with no charge that we can store their floor hockey equipment, the softball equipment, everything that they need, um, jerseys, whatever, and we can just eliminate that problem for them. All right, so South Metro, but really, I mean, heck, if an athlete with with disabilities, you know, is part of a team that is East Metro, North Metro, I mean, you're open arms for, for any team that wants to have an opportunity to practice or play at Hope Fieldhouse. We are, Duke. You know, over this process, what we found is there's so many organizations that want to do really good things, but they lack either the funds to, per, to pay for, like, a top-notch facility um, or organizationally they're just not set up that way yet. And so what we want to be is we want to be a home for those organizations. And if, if there's not enough of those organizations to fill and we're seeing other gaps in the, in the community, uh, then we'll do the programming ourselves. But our goal is to partner with different groups that can provide programming. You know, there's, there's a group, I know if you're familiar with Unified Sports, but Unified Sports is where um, it's a Special Olympics program that has um, where you have three kids with special needs and then you have three kids without, without those disabilities. And they get to play on teams together. So volleyball is a perfect example where you can have three three kids with special needs on the same team with three kids without the disabilities and be able to play semi-competitive games so at least everyone is getting a chance to play. I mean, I just I wish people had the opportunity. I mean, there's a guy that works at Augsburg University. He's their sports information director, but he also does stats for the Wolves. So, you know, I've done some stories on on Augsburg athletes over the years just with my with my TV gig, but he also does stats for for Wolves games. So I see him at Target Center on a pretty regular basis. Just you go to any home game and he's there and he volunteers. His name is Don Stoner. He volunteers for Special Olympics and he constantly posts on his Facebook page that nothing, nothing he does brings him more joy, Dan, than being around those athletes, seeing the joy on their faces. And that's essentially what you're trying to accomplish, making sure that regardless of what's going on in an individual's life, that they have every opportunity to play what they want to play. Correct. I mean, I, my son is part of Miracle League, which is a great organization here in the Twin Cities. And so my son plays softball um, uh, on Tuesdays and Thursday nights. And, and he plays with kids who have cognitive impairments and physical impairments. And every hit... There is a smile, there is, there is laughing, there is cheering from the parents, there's high-fiving when you get the first base. And every game always ends in a tie. Mm-hmm. Both teams. And, and my son just comes home and uh, he's so excited about the, the game that he played or the catch he had or the hit he had. He doesn't care about the wins or losses, but he cares that he gets to be out there just like every other kid. And I just think um, as a society we can do better than we're doing right now. And Hope Fieldhouse is step one of helping that make that happen. And if somebody wants to donate a dollar, you take it, right, Dan? I mean, hopefully people can donate more than that. But if it's as simple as $1, $2, whatever it might be, 
hopefieldhouse.org. If they go to the website, it's easy for them to make a donation? Uh, it's right on the front page to make a donation. Um, obviously, a donation of any size um, is appreciated. Um, we do have sponsorship opportunities, Doogie. Like Tom Compton is a perfect example of a local Rosemount kid um, excited about this project. Uh, donated $75,000, and we're going to name the fitness center after him. We're, we're playing with Street Out of Compton, but we're not too sure exactly what the fitness <laughs> uh, center name is going to be right now. Um, so we have sponsorship opportunities as well. And, and based on our feasibility study, we estimate that fifty to 100,000 um, adults and kids are becoming through this facility on an annual basis. And you so mentioned, it's a great opportunity to yeah. get some exposure for, for a person or a business or somebody like that that, that might want to get that. So for more information, to make a donation, or just for information, hopefieldhouse.org. You touched on Kirk Cousins, who's a Rosemount resident, right? He lives right there in Rosemount. He made a sizable donation. And isn't there also a hook, Dan, where C.J. Ham, Vikings running back slash fullback, I can promise you from being at training camp just about every day the last few weeks, I had a nice conversation with Kennedy Palamalu recently that, trust me, C.J. Ham is going to be a pretty sizable part of the Vikings offense this year. If you merely make a donation of, what is it, Dan, $50? I mean, hopefully it's more than that, but merely $50, you'll be entered into a, a drawing to, to meet and greet and hang out with C.J. Ham, right? Yeah, C.J.'s been a great advocate for us, uh, lives in Rosemount, um, passionate about kids' sports, youth athletics. Um, so any donation of over $50 um, puts you on a drawing to, to do a meet and greet with C.J. Nice. Are him and Kirk even neighbors? Uh, no, Kirk lives in the north side, uh, the north side of Rosemount, kind of the Mendota Heights, Invergrove Heights area. Uh, but uh, he is a Rosemount School District uh, resident. All right, Dan, I'll leave you with this. What else? What else is important for people to know? What else? What else stands out to you that we didn't touch on that people should know about to ensure that Hope Fieldhouse becomes a reality very, very soon? Well, a couple things. Uh, our Facebook page, we're pretty active on that. Um, we put videos out there almost every week, uh, different events that we we're participating in, the different partners that we're partnering with already um, on some of our initiatives. Uh, which I think is phenomenal since we're not even in, we're not even in the ground yet. Um, yet we're already partner of, of events like Superfest and things like that. Um, so if you could follow us on Facebook, uh, just search on Hope Field House for right there. Um, you know, like our stuff, that would be great. And then another thing I would say is even if you do not have a child or, or, uh, a nephew or a niece or, or grandson, granddaughter that, that has special needs, Chances are you know somebody that does, and if you just take the time to sit down with them and talk with them about their struggles and their challenges and also talk to them about the joys that their child is on a team, um, about that floor hockey goal that they scored or the softball home run that they hit or even the single that they hit, I hope you'll, you'll understand what we're trying to accomplish here to make sure that everybody does have a place to play and has access to the same things that a child without disabilities would. Dan, well-spoken. Dan Corley, Hope Fieldhouse. Hopefieldhouse.org. Dan, we're here for you. We want to see Hope Fieldhouse become a reality as soon as humanly possible. Thank you, Doogie. I appreciate the time. Please help if you can. I'd love to see Hope Fieldhouse become a reality very, very, very soon. Even if it's just $1. Hopefieldhouse.org help out athletes with disabilities. All right, we are done. That does it for Scoop Podcast episode 249. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Anticipation is building. The holidays are just around the corner, and at the Home Depot, we can't wait. With Black Friday savings all through November, you can count down to Christmas early with a Santa Countdown Inflatable Special Buy, only $69.98. Or anticipate when friends and family come to visit with an entrance full of LED lights that will welcome them and the holidays with open arms. Get the holiday magic started early. The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Any workout, any mood, any time. That's what the Peloton Tread is all about. From interval runs that motivate you to go the extra mile, power walks that work up a sweat, rolling hill hikes for you to enjoy, and full body boot camps to hit your goals. Plus thousands of workouts that go beyond the tread. Strength programs, core classes, yoga, Pilates, and even boxing. Everything you need on and off the Peloton tread. Experience it all for yourself with a 30-day home trial. Learn more at OnePeloton.com.